New Thought Media Network. We are a global broadcast network of positive music, media, and entertainment. Inspiring humanity's evolution along the journey of enlightenment and creating a world of love, peace, empowerment, and prosperity for all. New Thought Media Network. Positively inspiring. Again, dear ones, Reverend Robert with you here on a Friday night. It's five o'clock on the Mountain Time Zone, and that means it is time for the good news here on New Thought Media Network. Thank you so much for being with us here this evening. I am excited. Uh, we've got a great collection of stories for you tonight, and and you know we do this every Friday night. At five o'clock, a half an hour, we get most of our stories over at thegoodnewsnetwork.org, and we encourage you to drop over there, check them out. You'll find many of these stories there uh, with additional information and links and things we don't check. But we're here to help you make sure you've got some uh, good news stories in your back pocket as you head into the weekend, some stories you can share with others and uh, and help spread the word of, of all the good that's really happening in the world. Our first story tonight really kind of crazy. Uh ordinary plastic turned into diamonds via laser beam in the blink of an eye. Uh so we we, we what we're learning here is that synthetic diamonds um, are not new, but they're normally built, they're normally created, excuse me, through various explosions. Uh, well, a team, a group of scientists have done this uh, by just shooting a laser beam at a regular thin film plastic, the kind of stuff you find in the supermarket, making tiny diamonds. Uh, now, interestingly enough, this breakthrough also has implication for planetary science, and the researchers who managed this feat said it sheds light on what's going on inside the ice giant planets Neptune and Uranus. So how do you turn plastic into diamonds? Well, what they did is they took a sheet of PET or polyethylene terephthalate plastic, that thin stuff, and, and also in beverage bottles and stuff like that. They heated it up with a laser beam to over 6,000 degrees centigrade, and it becomes a hydrocarbon. 
Now, the researchers that did this over at the University of Rostock in Germany, Professor Dunkirk, uh, Dominic Krauss said, so far diamonds of this kind have mainly been produced by detonating explosives, but with the help of laser flashes, we've been manufacturing much, we'll be manufacturing much more cleanly in the future. The laser itself fired 10 different flashes at the plastic film and a number of nano diamonds were formed. They drop into a collective tank. This is, could be game changing, folks. Creating industrial diamonds. Now, this isn't the stuff you're going to wear on your fingers or your ears or your uh, or a necklace. Uh, but creating this type of of uh, corp, uh, um, excuse me, this type of of industrial diamond go a long way for future applications in the country, all over the world. Good work, folks, coming out of Germany. You know, also over in Germany, our next story, a regional train operator is running a train that is 100% fueled by hydrogen cells. Now, some may ask, why do we need hydrogen cells when we're already transferring to electric? I think that every aspect that isn't, uh, that isn't carbon-based is going to help. And uh, Germany is, is committed to eliminating their diesel-powered trains. And this company is the first to start with that. And uh, 100% hydrogen-powered. The fuel cells are stored on the top of the train itself. And <clears throat> Carmen Schwebel, a spokesperson for, in uh in Germany said, we will not buy any more diesel trains in order to do even more to combat climate change. The company that's doing this is a French company called Alstom, and they're reportedly in talks to bring some of these locomotives and the carriages to North America. There's a great video over on the Good News Network. We encourage you to go take a, a look at that, and we'll leave links to many of these stories in the show notes of today's broadcast. If you get a chance, check those out again. Give those folks over there all the love and attention they deserve. They do great work in cultivating great news stories, good news stories, things that we can uh, we can get behind. Our next story is one I find interesting as well. Now, I've never really been a race car guy, uh, and recently I've been introduced to a little bit more of some uh, various sides of the IndyCar world. Uh, and what I've always looked at is, man, that's a lot of tires they go through. Well, Bridgestone uh, is, has invested $100 million into farming a desert-dwelling herb to per replace the rubber tree plant for rubber production. Yoli is the name of the plant, and it produces rubber as a form of protection. Uh, it lives in the Chihuahuan Desert, doesn't need very much in ir irrigation. Uh, and there are big name players that are starting to invest in planting this this rubber, this natural, uh, uh, well, not that rubber isn't natural, but takes less uh it takes less uh, processing to create rubber. Bridgestone R&D have spent years breeding a, lot, a, a line of Waiuli, and it produces an exceptional amount of its rubber. It's trying to scale up for production as fast as possible, uh, mostly because they say the, this rubber produces better than traditional rubber tires, than traditional rubber in tires. 
and they've been testing this on the racetrack. Pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff. But this is the story I want to follow. I don't think this is necessarily groundbreaking. Uh, but when any organization, any company, any traditional way of doing things is considering innovation and looking at new ways to be more ecologically friendly, I think it's a great thing. It's better than just walking away from your problems. And I'll tell you, folks, we have a problem with companies that have walked away from their problems here in the United States. Our final story of this segment, I've been aware of the problem of uncapped wells. Uh, well, part of the new, the new infrastructure bill includes monies to help cap more than 10,000 abandoned oil and gas wells over 25 or 24 different states. Uh, the Department of the Interior has identified these 10,000 high-priority wells, mostly on public lands, uh, that were leased to oil and gas drilling companies that took what they wanted and then left everything else. They say this is just a fraction of over 100,000 derelict wells across North America. At the Department of the Interior, we're, quote, working on multiple fronts to clean up these sites as quick as we can by investing in efforts on federal lands and partnering with state and tribes to leave no community behind. It's a step in the right direction, folks. It's a step in the right direction. I live in Colorado. I cannot, I don't, do not <clears throat> want to imagine how many wells are out there that need this. Uh, but what I do know is we're doing the good work to get this happening. And whether it's a federal project or a local project or a state project, we're all responsible to help part of this happen to be a part of the change we wish to see in, in the country, in our world in our lives. And that's what the new thought media network is all about. And um, we're going to take a break right here for just a quick moment, share a couple of messages with you, let you know of a couple of things that are happening around the network uh, and allow me to take a sip of water. We'll be right back with more good news here on the new thought media network. Don't go away. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
with more of the good news here on the New Thought Media Network. So grateful that you're with us here tonight, folks. Where are those that are watching on a replay at a later time? Thank you for watching along as we go. Feel free to share your comments in the comment box. Let us know how we're doing. And let us know if you have a good news story that you might want to share with us. We've got an email address, news at ntmedia.org. Let us know of the good news stories you found, and we may just cover them here on our broadcast. All right, next up, researchers in Germany have found that a one-hour walk in nature reduces stress-related brain activities. This sounds like it comes from the, yeah, we've known this for a long time now, folks. Uh yeah, but basically, now we have some quantifiable evidence. Uh, the amygdala in the brain is involved in stress processing. It's shown to be less activated in people who live in rural areas compared to those who live in cities. I think we would always know that. That was pretty obvious as well. Uh, but what they're saying is no su su study has uh, actually gone and made sure that this is true. They did. They have... Uh, the results support the previous assumed pos positive relationship between nature and brain health, said Simone Kuhn, head of the Lace Miter Group for Environmental Neuroscientists. Uh, Simone continued, but this is the first study to prove the causal link. Interesting, the brain activity from the urban walk in these regions remained stable and did not show increase increases, which argues against a common health view that urban exposure causes additional stress. But it does show that nature uh, relieves those stress mechanisms. All right. Yep. Get out and take a walk, folks. Get out and take a walk. Have a good time. You'll feel better. And hey, you never know what you'll find. Uh, now, this next story is about a lucky couple in Britain, uh, Ellerby, Northshire, actually. Uh, they didn't have to go far out of a way. They didn't go on a walk uh, to find something fun. They found this thanks to a kitchen renovation. What they unearthed uh, was a tin full of coins, many of them uh, dating back, and here's the important part, dating back about 292 years. That number is pretty important. Uh, because anything dating back more than 300 years is considered treasure and considered property of uh, of England and the crown and therefore has to be turned in. Uh, these coins are actually going to be able to be auctioned off as uh, most of them are uh, younger than that 292, uh, 292 years. Uh, auctioneers expect to fetch just under a quarter of a million pound. For these uh, interesting uh, we want to do send our love to uh, the royals and their family and everyone in Britain and everyone across the world that's been touched by the life of Queen Elizabeth II and uh, and her passing uh, we send peace and blessings in that way and, and it's good to know that even this while this story happened last week and uh, I picked this I'd seen this story before we knew of the Queen's passing uh, it felt appropriate to give these folks a good kudos for, for, uh, and for being lucky. Uh, they were, they, they found this and it just so happened they were, uh, within the 300 year time span that they'll get to keep the coins. So, uh, but again, our, fo our prayers and our heart and all that we are 
uh, all that we have are with the royal family uh, during their time of grief at this. Hey, you know, people come, people go. We all have our time. However, sometimes maybe technology will keep that from happening. Uh, our next story, I want to introduce you to David. Um, this is, wow, pretty interesting. Now, I'm not a big Apple guy, and you know, most people know that. Uh, but he got a brand new Apple watch, smartwatch, and it started to, it told him that he, uh, that his heart was beating very slow and it actually stopped 138 times over a 48 hour period. He thought it was a glitch, wasn't too sure. Uh, but then his wife, uh, Sarah convinced him to get in to see a cardiologist that happened at Norfolk and, and Norwich hospital, university hospital. Uh, they, uh, all the, the they released him. He was stable at that point. But then when they started looking at the data, uh, called him back right away uh, as he had a third degree heart blockage uh, and could have experienced sudden cardiac death at any at any time. Uh, he went under life saving surgery and was fitted with a pacemaker. Uh, his wife says for sure the Apple Watch saved his life. His heart had stopped 138 times in 10 second intervals over a 48 hour period, mostly while he was asleep. That is pretty scary. Uh, David says, Sarah really looked after me. She keeps saying how proud of herself she is and she should be. She saved my life. David, we are happy that Sarah is so proud and was able to save your life <laughs> that's important work as well hey folks before we go tonight we want to say make sure that we do a quick thank you to some of the folks that make all of this happen we're going to take another quick break and say thank you to our organizational sponsors and viewers like you that make all this happen but don't go away we're coming back with more good news in just a moment stay tuned Thank you, Center for Spiritual Living Denver for your continued support. Thank you, Center for Spiritual Living Midtown Atlanta for your monthly contribution. Thank you, Center for Spiritual Living North Jersey for your monthly contribution. And please help us welcome OM Center for Spiritual Living in La Mesa, California. Thank you for your monthly donation. Thank you Center for Spiritual Living Seattle for your most generous donation. And a special thanks to Hefferlin Foundation for your generous technology grant. And Suze Ajit, thank you for your very generous donation. And a super special thank you to Dr. Tracy Brown, RSCP. Thanks for being a super donor. And a big shout out to all our committed donors.
and we're back with more good news here on the New Thought Media Network. I'm Rev. Robert. So grateful to be with you. So grateful that you're here. Please do like, share, and subscribe. Let your friends know what good we're fun fun we're having tonight uh, and every night. And catch these on our rebroadcasts on both Facebook and YouTube. I want to shout out to our dear friend and my producer, Diego Reyes. Thank you so much, Brother Diego, for being a part of the family and making sure this program happens every week. Diego does a great lot of work around here, and we love him, and uh, he puts together a great slideshow for us every week here on this program. So, All right, next story up. Let's meet Kat and Kate. Kat and Kate are friends that live over in, hey, we're back in England again, Leeds, Yorkshire this time. Uh, and they founded a company called Seagulls in 2004. Up to this point, they've collected over 300 tons of paint each year from the landfills around their area. They sort the good and the bad colored paint, reblend some of them sell that paint back out into the community at 75% less than the uh, than first run primary stores. Nobody, Kat says, uh, no, they hadn't heard of anyone recycling paint before. And they were able to work with the local council to collect all the waste paint in Leeds and recycle as much of it as they can. Uh, they love what they do. And in the last 18 years, They've diverted over 4 million liters of paint, which would, would have caused 11.4 million tons of carbon. They say that in order to offset that much carbon, 68 million trees would have had to been planted. Folks, this is a message that I believe we, need, we can get behind in every community. If that can happen in Leeds, England, it can happen in any given city or town across this nation. How much paint's going to waste in your community? How much paint could be saved? How much paint could be reblended? Good stuff. Good news. Remember, folks, we get most of our stories over at thegoodnewsnetwork.org. And... We also love sunnyskies.com. Sunnyskies.com, another great avenue to find good news stories and remind you throughout the week that we really are all in this together. Good evening, dear brother Wayne. Yes, sir. Be the light, be the light, be the light. Here's another story of, of some folks being the light. Uh, this all happened. <laughs> this is an amazing story of uh, a man, Apache man moved to a new town and found it. They need, didn't have a skate park. So he and his petition, his tribe petitioned Tony Hawk. Anybody that's ever skated knows that name to hook up the Apache youth with some professional facilities. The kids from White River in the North Apache Indian Reservation of, of Arizona have met, had to make do, thanks to their DIY attitudes, with the foundations of an abandoned building project for a skate park. They weren't getting funds from the from the town, uh, from the community, and they had to work hard to build their new skate park. The point is, they did build their new skate park. Look at this group of kids. The Apache Passion Project, thanks to social media, grew to smash its modest fundraising target. They originally were at looking for $3,000. They raised more than $50,000. Uh, 
and they were able to get Tony Hawk involved in the project. Sounds like a great win-win-win for everybody. Congratulations, folks. We're happy to hear this happening on Apache land in Arizona. There's great video. Check out the story over at goodnewsnetwork.org. Give those folks the love they deserve. All right. Before we go tonight, a couple more stories that remind me of the great work that individuals do. They say everybody needs a passion project. Well, Yasmin Lowry, who is currently 81, had more of a pension project after her retirement. She's the co-founder of a nonprofit called the Heritage Foundation of Pakistan, and they're making bamboo huts for Pakistanis that have been afflicted by floods. Now, she originally spent most of her career designing modern buildings, but after 2005, she decided to start helping locals to shelter themselves. The original articles published in Fast Company, you can read it all there. The synopsis is over on the Good News Network.org. The great news is we're creating a, these amazing structures that are helping so many people. And it's all up zero, it's a zero carbon campus that they're building. It's all bamboo. Grows like weeds over there. Good work, Yasmin. Thank you. Thank you for being the light you are in the world and doing the work you are doing as well. All right, our final story tonight. Great breakout your 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 uh, Kleenex on this one, folks. The story is that Archana Chohari, 25, lives near a tiger reserve in India. She and her son went out uh, at night from the hut. The little boy had to go. And a tiger jumped from the bushes and attacked the child uh, and had the child's head in its jaws. Uh, Mama Chahadri leapt and used her bare fans, hands to begin fighting off the tiger. Fought with the tiger for a couple of minutes before other villagers were able to come to her aid. Chowdhury suffered punctured lungs and deep wounds. The, sh the child suffered head injuries. They are both expected to make a full recovery. And there's a video um, with the father that is holding his son. You can see that the family is good news. Even in the midst of what may not seem like it, there's good news. Congratulations, Mama Chowdhury. Kudos to you. Bow down in prayer, fighting off a tiger. That's some parental commitment, folks. And that's the nature of what we are as humans. We're here to be a part of the, the to, we are here to be a part of the love and the light. I want to thank you for being with us. You can find links to in tonight's show description for more of what we do here on New Thought Media Network and these all the stories that were covered here tonight. I want to thank you for being with us. And please consider joining us a little bit in just a half an hour. The Fireside Chat with Pastor Michael Mangus is up at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. We have our normal evening prayers at 8.15 Mountain Time. Check back for that. And tomorrow, we always have our great lineup, starting with prayer at 8.15 in the morning and our Science of Mind and Spirit conversation series 
starts at 9 a.m. We're in the latter part of the year, so we're exploring what the Science of Mind Archives has to share with us. Uh, tomorrow will be uh, Reverend Elzia Sekou will be speaking and sharing with us from uh, the Science of Mind magazine from a number of years back. Please head on over to ntmedia.org. Check out our website. Let us know what you think of the new design and click on the donate button. Please be a part of what makes this network happen and what makes all of this happen and go around. I'm Rev. Robert. I'm getting out of here for now. I wish you all the best. Thanks for being with us. Stay tuned for Pastor Michael and the Fireside Chat. Until we meet again, I wish you peace and richest blessings. Bye now.